0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Contrarian Marketing Podcast, where you learn ideas you might not be thinking about. Today is a special episode. This is a repost from the Evergreen Media Podcast, where Eli and I together were invited as guests to talk about topics like how SGE is changing SEO, which verticals might get hit the hardest by AI search, how to prepare for an AI world, how to use AI to get a competitive advantage in SEO, and our favorite AI tools. Let us know what you think in the comments, rate us five stars for evolution listening to and enjoy this episode with Eli and Alex and me at the Evergreen Media Podcast. Welcome to the show.
1: This time I have the best, most important experts in SEO here with me, Eli and Kevin. Thanks for joining us here. How are you
0: guys? I'm going to jump in here. You know, I always jump in first. Yeah, you do. Thanks, Alex. We're, we're great. <laughs> you always interrupt me. No, just kidding. No, we're, we're great. Alex, we're happy to be here with you. And I think it's a very important topic that we're talking about today.
2: Great to be here. Thank you so much for having us, Alex. Like, I've spent the last few days, actually months, thinking about AI and search. and so excited to dive in and argue with Kevin in front of other people. It's going to be
0: weird. <laughs> Favorite activity.
1: Awesome, I, I, I love it because I also, I already know your uh, takes on things and I'm like super excited to like uh, you guys fight it out here. So we're going to talk about the, the the biggest topic in SEO, I think ever, search generative experience. And I think we're, we're going to dive in right away because people want to hear your guys' opinions and. I know from Kevin personally that he already uh, spent uh, a lot, a lot of hours with the news experience. So what I found interesting, and I really want to start with that question. So you guys have your contrarian marketing podcast. And what did you guys think about SGE when it was introduced at Google I.O. before you had the chance to try it out? Kevin,
0: let's start with you, as always. Sure. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, I'll, I'll, give, I'll pass it over to Eli. But yeah, thanks, Alex. I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's the biggest change to search we've ever seen. It's bigger than mobile or bigger than SSL when, when Google stopped passing the keyword refer over. I do strongly believe that it's changing SEO significantly. Not completely the opposite. It's not a new discipline, but it changes. It evolves. And I also don't think that Google will roll this back. I don't think this is a test. It's a slow rollout. It's in beta right now, but I don't think that what we're currently seeing is something that Google will step back from. I think that ship has sailed. very important for SEOs to stay on top of it. And when I first saw it, I actually thought they're kind of copying Microsoft here or yeah. eva or these other search engines. yeah, it, it was not. I don't think it's very innovative. And I don't think it has to be. so from a from a purely strategic, perspective all google has to do to defend itself from competitors is basically learn from their mistakes and do it just as good as they do it's the same strategy that meta has used with snapchat when snapchat invented the stories format and saw massive traction they just copied the feature and that didn't destroy snapchat but it limited their growth and google is running the same strategy against microsoft and then potential other competitors we spoke about Neva. They just sold to Snowflake and shut their, their consumer search engine down. But then there's u.com, there is uh, Perplexity AI and all these other search engines. And then ChatGPT itself is turning into a search engine right now. Has just you know, introduced an integration with uh, Bing search. And it might even be that ChatGPT already has more users than Bing itself. So yeah, I'm veering off too far from the question here. But long story short, they're copying Microsoft. It's probably the right decision And to Google's credit, to not just bash them, but also credit them, they're moving very fast right now. Yeah.
1: So, Ila, were you uh, disappointed when you saw it at Google I.O. or were you like, hey, mind blow, this is going to change everything?
2: So it's rare that you're going to find me being the pessimist and Kevin being the optimist. But Kevin is completely wrong here. In no uncertain terms, he's absolutely wrong. So when, when ChatGPT first came out, we did a podcast episode on this and I called it a toy and Kevin said it was cute and people were going to use it for work. And I've since evolved and I saw ChatGPT become a massive threat as real tech people I know that would, you wouldn't think would say something. Like this, they, say, they would say things like, I stopped using Google. I only use ChatGPT. And Google heard those things too. And when they released the view of SGE at Google I.O., I had a moment where I thought, I think SEO is dead. I think SEO is going to change forever. And over the next two weeks.
1: I read a newsletter from you. I I think uh, there was like uh, a newsletter in between where you were like, oh my God, we're we're done.
2: I I did write that newsletter. I called it the SEO apocalypse. And I think most people are missing this. I think SEO is in my lifetime, (laughs) short lifetime doing search. The biggest thing that I think ever happened in SEO was the Panda update. So I was working at a startup then and we lost 60% of our traffic in one day. I think at the time, Google said it impacted 12% of queries that first time it rolled out and the world moved. There were Wall Street Journal articles, there were CNN articles, there was all the media saying Google has changed, billions of dollars shifted overnight. I think this is bigger. I think this is going to be the biggest thing ever for SEO. And when I saw that at IO, that was my first thought that Google is panicked. There's been articles about saying this is a red alert at Google. They're not using those terms lightly. This is an existential threat. And when I saw how they released SGE, I said, this is an existential threat. They're going to do things that are crazy. And some people disagreed with me on social media when I called it an SEO apocalypse, because one of my other predictions was that Google was going to lose ad revenue. And a lot of the responses to that are like, you're crazy. They're never gonna give up ad revenue. And I think the people that say that are failing to acknowledge that this is an existential threat. Google will lose billions and billions of dollars if they lose market share to ChatGPT forever. They'd rather give up short-term ad revenue. And I do see them giving up the ad revenue now when I do certain queries. For example, if I do the query mortgage rates, I don't know how you see it, but when I say do query mortgage rates, I'm seeing a generative response automatically. But if you do it not in a generative experience, there's five ads there. And I'm sure those ads cost a lot of money. That's giving up revenue, at least in the beta cohort. So I think this is the greatest thing ever that's happened to SEO in an impactful way. But I think it's also a good thing because I think there's been this concept for the longest time where SEOs created content, they aggregated content that kind of was elsewhere. So you think about like the medical websites, like a WebMD or a Healthline. They take content that exists in medical literature and they aggregate it and they just feed it to you that existed in medical literature, Healthline, WebMD, don't really need to aggregate it. It's sort of like what happened to newspapers, where newspapers used to say, well, we subscribe to the Associated Press, we subscribe to Reuters, and we're just going to print it for you, instead of going to Associated Press, instead of going to Reuters. And when newspapers did it, they started creating more original content. And I think that's what's happened to SEO, where people just aggregate, and they see search opportunities, and they create content, and create websites. And that is disappearing, because now, I know some people compare SG to featured snippets. It's kind of like that. Google has disintermediated the entire thing. And they're saying, you know what? We can also read the medical literature. We can also read the textbooks and we'll just give you the answer. Now, there's going to be a problem because sometimes those answers are wrong. But you know what? A lot of websites are wrong too. They're just opinions. And just because they rank in search doesn't make that right. So I think this is huge. I think this is the biggest thing ever. I think anybody that's holding on to the view of, oh, SEO didn't really change or... We'll just write more content and AI content is wrong. This, the world has changed
1: overnight. I have a, a different um, opinion because I think if Google does the generative AI thing right, the other competitors like ChatGPT, ChatGPT right now only is riding the hype wave. But if like Google can reach a similar level, as the generative AI from ChatGPT, the thing that's the most for me, for Google is they can combine their stuff into everything. They have Google search, they have YouTube, they have maps, they have drive, they have all those things, they have Gmail. And if they can use generative AI on that stuff, doesn't matter what ChatGPT, I think ChatGPT has moved very fast and very. Dangerously. I think what Google does is super smart. I know they're, I think they're struggling for their life, but in the end, they have this ultimate mode with all those actionable data they can use and feed the AI with. And then it's going to be, it's going to change everything. And they, I think they will come out winning. I think they are very happy about ChatGPT. I'm very happy about ChatGPT because they forced. Google to stop doing the same old shit they have done since forever.
2: Can I break in with a question to both of you? I know I'm still in the podcast here. Sure. I think Google is an, an ad agency, an ad company with a search
0: engine. What do you guys think? I think you have a point, <laughs> but I also think that it's, it's clear that Google is Addicted to ad revenue to a level that it's detrimental for them, and they tried to break that addiction with Google Cloud and YouTube, and they they were not yet able to. But I think AI will push them towards that even more. But the big question is, as you said, always for Google, how can we monetize this with ads? Because they're not going to become a subscription behemoth overnight, like Microsoft. By the way, this, which is why I think Microsoft is in a better position because they're not addicted to advertising revenue. They're charging businesses directly, which is a powerful position. But anyway, they've obviously been in cloud. Google Cloud has been growing rapidly, right? It's been going very fast, but it still cannot compete yet with advertising revenue. So that's, that's kind of where I support your argument that you say they're kind of an advertising agency. However, I think that. They have so many applications that are actually much better suited to become consumer product. They haven't monetized Gmail, really. They're starting with ads a little bit. Google Workspace, yeah, they kind of sell that, but they could sell it so much harder. That's the real power that they have is to combine all of that. And I very much agree. But that's also where I see search coming out short because if you have this assistant that reads your emails, knows your browsing history, knows where you went to buy groceries and can give you recommendations and all that kind of stuff, I don't think you need search anymore to the same degree. I actually, you know, now I'm opening five different threads here, but I think voice search will... Have a big comeback? I'm not sure about that.
2: Oh no, no, I'm with you. I I think it's it's going to have a massive comeback. It because it it's improved. I think that the failure of voice search has been that voice search was trying to distill what it heard into queries, and now can distill what it heard into prompts. So like I was planning a trip this summer, and I I prompted. I always do voice search because I'm too lazy to type. I prompted Google Assistant, and it didn't respond with a prompt to respond with a query. The query, the prompt was, give me the 10 best things to do in London. That's not a query, that's a prompt, right? And it, re- it gave me a terrible response because I don't know the way you do a search, top, top 10 things to see in London and then there's TripAdvisor, which by the way, my condolences to TripAdvisor, they, they're definitely going to lose all of their search volume, uh, all the queries that they, <laughs> they rank on, Miami hotels and Miami <laughs> hotel reviews, all generative and Google does a great job and then they send it right to themselves and their, their hotel booking tool. I, I think voice search is making a comeback because now it's going to take the, what it hears into a prompt. And now you're not talking, you're not querying by using your voice, you're asking your friends, you're asking Google Assistant, you're asking Siri questions and it answers as if it's like your executive assistant, which I think is cool.
1: I think a voice search is such a, because I always think in how do humans behave and what habits do they have? I can't imagine a world, but maybe you guys are right where people uh, are constantly voice-prompting their devices, like uh, walking around. I'm not sure about that, but we will see. Let's get back (laughs) to, to the original question. So you both already had early access. What were like your biggest surprises? Like you saw the demo at Google I.O. and then you saw the real thing. Probably one of the surprises was how bad it worked, but what were like other insights? At this time, we're gonna start with Eli.
2: So, first of all, I, I got more than an earlier preview because I'm fortunate that I, I still live in Silicon Valley. I didn't run away like Kevin did the Midwest. So, <laughs> <laughs> there's
0: not enough space for both of us.
2: <laughs> that everyone left, so that is plenty of space for everyone. Just move on in, empty houses everywhere. <laughs> I, my neighbors are all tech employees. My neighbors are all Googlers and, and Apple employees, and just all the tech companies. So I go to the park and I, I do SEO research and I just, everyone wearing a Google shirt, I'm like, hey, did you have a chance to use SG yet? And you'd be amazed at how many of them are just completely open about it. And I even got to see it from someone's <laughs> computer. They're like, yeah, hey, let me just show it to you. So one of the things that I heard from someone is they told me that on, they saw SG on 90% of their queries. I wasn't, when I actually got access to it, I wasn't surprised. But I think some people didn't have access to it or didn't know that were probably surprised or like it kept doing. So I think that there are three things that you'll see on SGE. One is it automatically gives a response, two is it asks you if you want to generate, and three is there's just no generative. So the amount of queries that it does generate automatically is incredible. I mean, like most of the queries I've been doing, it just generates. Even the your money, your life queries, like the things that people didn't think it was going to do, even random head queries, like the query I just tweeted about was the word capital. It just search the word capital, totally weird responses. Like the reason I searched is I was in the capital of California and I wanted to find out what the hours of the capital were, but again, like it it just showing up everywhere. So that was my immediate response was like, oh, it's everywhere. Just like I heard. The other thing is I was surprised because I thought that they might get rid of ads and they wouldn't have any way to show ads. I was surprised to see actually happen like you're like you're literally watching them turn off the money there are some things now i'm seeing where ads are coming back on top of generative which is probably like if you think about google as a huge company with a couple hundred thousand employees where someone's like all right we're all in on generative and then the ads person lost out they're like get out of the room we're doing generative so now i'm seeing ads come back because that the <laughs> ads person figure out how to get in through the other door so now they're not all in a dinner so that's the thing of again big company You can't be all in on both because we know for sure that Google's all in on ads before, you know, five ads on the word mortgage rates. Now they're going to have generative. There's no five ads. But then if they put ads on top of generative, then you don't see the generative. You can't do both at the same time. And that's even a bigger question on mobile. You have one screen. So like when you do that query, do you see a whole page of ads or do you see a whole page of generative? On mobile, I'm seeing a whole page of generative. So I was surprised to see that actually play out. Kevin and I are in that. You know, intro cohort. I don't know, like when other people are getting in. I think if you add yourself to the wait list. You might still get in soon, but we'll see what happens when it rolls out to more people. If they really give up that ad revenue, those are those are my two things. One is it's on tons and tons of queries, more than I expected,
0: and they're actually giving up ad revenue. I recently wrote about eleven realizations that I had when I when I stress tested SGE. I'm not going to go into all of these eleven because they're all pretty deep, and they, they I could probably write a whole book about what I learned so far, but. So the ad revenue, I have a feeling, and impression Google might actually increase their ad, ad revenue with SGE. Because I've seen the instances where you have the top ads before SGE, so before the AI answer. Then within the AI answer, they start sponsored listings for e-commerce products, probably soon also local businesses. And then below you have another row of advertising. So I actually think we'll see more ads and it might help Google. I also think that And it's not just what I think, but Google announced that they are now introducing a new way for advertisers to create creative and copy from the landing page. If I had to present a steep hypothesis, I actually think that that advertising managers are maybe at a higher risk of losing a big part of their work than SEOs because Google is basically coming to a world where they say, just give me your credit card details and we'll figure everything else out for you, which I think can also be dangerous. Yeah. You've already seen them using AI to advertise and, and you lose a lot of money because they they, they there's a widespread of you know options and matches. Yeah, they splurge it, yeah. There's some there's a, an arbitrage here, but that's basically where it's going. And so I think they're, they're showing more ads. They might make more revenue. They also get a lot more context from questions. And this is the second uh, realization. Because, so Google was always bad at answering long-tail questions. Always. They never figured that out. They never figured that out. And I'm not, not going to venture out too much, but Google never really had big competition. And, and said in the early days, yes. But then later on, right, they were a 20-year monopoly. And so we never, as consumers, had a better benchmark to measure against. But my, my thesis is that if we had a better search engine competitor to Google, we would have noticed how bad the long-tail search results actually are. And AI solves that problem. Now you can ask questions very explicitly, very long. Queries just become longer and users will notice that and then adopt to that. And they will ask longer questions. That will give Google a lot more context to display much better ads and charge a lot higher CPC, also because it looks like there will be fewer space to show ads. So I actually think for Google, this could be a way to actually increase ad revenue if they get it right, if they, if they can still you know show the best answer. And then another realization that I want to share, and I'll keep it to three, I think we can still reverse engineer AI results. The corroboration feature where you can break out how Google forms AI answers is our key to understand what Google is looking for. And so the, the things that I learned is SGE takes different angles to certain questions. So one example I brought up in this article was corporate credit card. And, you know, intuitively, one of the questions that I would have is what do I use it for. Why do I need it? What are some of the best corporate credit cards? But Google shows the benefits and risks to corporate credit cards. SGE takes specific angles, and they're not always the same. And my story is that there may be change over time, depending on what people search for. When we use the corporation feature to break apart where google gets the input for these different angles we can see that there are sites that are not ranking in the top ranks or top positions of the classic search results but they, they provide a unique angle that google likes that's why i think seo changes so much it's not only about you know providing the best answer anymore it might be providing the only site to provide a certain angle That SGE prefers in this case. And that is a a different way to optimize. That's so funny that you
1: should say that and put it that way because in our content marketing department, they said this is going to be the year where it's not about being better, but being better and being different. And it's exactly that. I'm super interested and super hyped to see how organic search results and ranking factors will like differ from from the ai snapshot so we will link the article from from kevin below because it's awesome and there are a lot of insights you should should know about so okay we 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 have like a basic understanding of what search generative experience is now what we should dive into And I will do make this a two-part question because it fits together. So with this new setup, what chances does this offer for companies and brands? And which verticals or business models should be super scared? You guys said TripAdvisor and I would totally agree. I would say like every publisher that lives off of impressions is pretty much in danger, I, I think they will find a way to like use the law to, to protect their business model. But what's, what's your opinion, Kevin?
0: I think e commerce has a big problem. Google is building a marketplace, and I would not be surprised to see a direct checkout option over the next six to 24 months on Google. I don't think they can compete against Amazon without a direct checkout. And all the, the hints point at Google building that. So AI results for products or categories, they already offer, they already show more product carousels. Google is investing a ton in this space. Uh, there's a lot of nuance, right? So for example, Google can understand the unique attributes that a product has, even when they're not in the product description. So when you Google for things like standing desk, for example, example, Google is able to parse third-party reviews on, on affiliates or publishers or whatever and understand whether this standing desk is really good for tall people or for home office, for small spaces without the merchant providing that specifically. So that's crazy, right? So Google gets very, very deep into reviews and extracting unstructured data and turning it into structured data. Same happening, by the way, with local search. The SGE experience there is still a bit wonky, but I think e-commerce is going to be hit the hardest. Very little room for informational content or or informational queries since Google answers so many of them directly, links to a couple of, of sites. But I think that whole space is going to get incredibly crowded and very, very difficult. It's basically going to come down to price. Even when you click on a product that is listed in SGE, Google opens a sidebar and then off- shows which different retailers offer their product. So it comes down to price, maybe reviews, and that's the an Amazon strategy. And then the least hard, it might be YMYL, so your money or life queries, where Google is very, very careful not to give too much advice in uh, amongst other reasons, because these are regulated spaces, right? You're not allowed to give legal, financial, or medical advice unless you're an expert. That's that's very consequential. And AI answers look a lot like specific advice. So that's where I think Google will hold back and where websites might still have the biggest opportunities. I think everyone is screwed. I think that
2: SEO has completely changed and every space is going to be impacted. I don't think there's any site that's not going to see less traffic. What I think is going to happen, and I'm working on a post on this, is SEO is top of funnel. I mean, today, SEO is top of funnel. You do a broad query and you move yourself down a funnel, even if it's e-commerce. So like if it's SaaS B2B, very top of funnel, I do a query and I think about it. And then six months later, I have a salesperson come into my office. E commerce, it's top of funnel, but the funnel moves very quickly. It might even take 30 minutes. I do a query, I want a new phone case, and then I look at a couple other phone cases. I go on Amazon, I check out, and then I'm done. But still, top of funnel. I think with with AI and SGE, and again, I I think it's important to clarify that it's not just SGE because there are going to be other solutions. Naver, the Korean search engine launched launched AI. Every search engine is going to have AI. Maybe Apple will even stop sending searches to Google because they're just going to have their own AI in the iPhone. With AI, with generative I Kevin's making faces. It, it's going to happen. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. but, but I, I, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, I think with, with AI, I, the, it's now top of funnel. You do a query and say best iPhone case, and then the search engine tells you the best iPhone case. And then there might be a deep link there, or might, you might do another search. But now it's mid-funnel. Now the, S, the, the search click is mid-funnel. So to the businesses, again, like TripAdvisor, that will definitely see a lot of their traffic lost. That's because they have been purely top of funnel, but maybe mid funnel, which is I already know the hotel I want to go to, but now I want to read someone's personal experiences in that property. That's still TripAdvisor. Is there too much chlorine in that indoor pool? That's still TripAdvisor. Google can't really tell me that Google can aggregate it or any other searching can aggregate it, but I don't, I can't read the story. So that's mid funnel. And I think that's what's going to happen to every single business. And as I was thinking e-commerce also, what's going to happen? and Google is going to you know, interrupt that whole flow of, well, you like it, so now you can just check out right here. Depends whether websites play ball. Depends whether you know, Shopify says, here, we'll let you check out right here, or Shopify says, not a chance. We're not paying for this ad unit. We're just whoever the, the merchant is can do their own thing. We'll see what happens there. So what I think is interesting is, I don't know if any of you guys remember this, but a few years ago, Go- this was Google's last opportunity to to fight back against and interrupt what Amazon was doing in e-commerce. They partnered with Walmart in the United States where Google Assistant and Google Shopping partnered with Walmart, where now Walmart had all of the same goods that Amazon had. And Walmart, I think, at the time probably had more physical goods, more ability to ship things to people. Amazon wasn't as big from a physical standpoint. They're really growing their third party. So Google said, we'll interrupt Amazon because we'll use Google Shopping and we'll use Google Assistant. So now you have all your logistics and we're the exact same as Amazon. But I think that partnership just completely fell apart and it was destroyed. And I think now we have Google having this resurgence of this and saying we don't need to be in the logistics anymore. We don't need to have access to the physical goods. We'll sell the checkout experience. Whoever will have this, and now the search engine will be it. again. Let's see what happens. I'm sure Google would love that. And it would be sort of a counterpoint to Amazon, but I don't I wouldn't bet on it. I think the thing to keep in mind, and I, I mentioned this earlier about Google being a really large company. Really large companies screw things up. So the larger they get, the harder it is. In reality, you'll say, "Oh, wow, well, it's Google." They'll launch this great generative experience, and they'll just blow uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT out of the water. I don't remember how many employees OpenAI has. I think when they launched ChatGPT, they only had 20 employees. Everyone's like, "Look, this company with 20 employees can do it." That's because the heart of it isn't that hard. But then you need more employees to do a lot more stuff. Google has hundreds of thousands of employees. Don't underestimate the ability for corporate bureaucracy to completely screw that up.
1: I think a lot of the things you guys said, they they are fantastic ideas. And I think some of them will happen in part. But a lot of these things, I really liked what you said at the end, Eli. Big companies, it's really complicated to do anything like really, really good. Like one person doing something amazing, easy. 20,000 people doing something amazing, amazing, super hard and I think a lot of things won't happen because they need other people, right? So what I always say, hey, there will be still companies that will offer services and products. I don't think people will play ball or companies and say, hey, Google, do this all for me because it's very uh, what works on Amazon. On Amazon, what is not working, at least not in Europe, is brands. Brands are not working on Amazon. And I don't think brands, big brands, will play ball and say, hey Google, do everything for me. If it's in their interest, yes. But otherwise they will would be way too dependent on Google for that to really happen, in my opinion. I think it would be really cool. I think that would make SEOs a thousand X more important, like with a different skill set. But I think it's really hard to do that. And that was like a super smooth transition by myself into AI for SEO. I want to start with how must SEOs adapt if they not only want to survive this transition, but thrive. And I will start with Eli because I already read a newsletter on the topic. And I know you have a strong opinion on that. So I think the the way SEOs need to adapt is first to stop complaining about
2: the way things were yesterday. They changed. Except the second thing is you know, again I, I, like I said earlier, I think SEOs were taking advantage of I called it in my newsletter I called it an inefficiency. There's an the inefficiency in the market where you did a search and you needed to find something. Again, we'll pick on on WebMD and Healthline again. There's inefficiency in the market which is no one is going to go to medical literature To go read what their symptoms are, so WebMD was able to aggregate. Oh, I I, someone searches headache, this is what they want. So now I'm going to create this content to rank on the word headache. That's interrupted. And I wrote my book Product Led SEO more than two years ago. I actually wrote it even longer. It came out two years ago. Wrote even longer than two years ago. I still think my concept of really approach SEO from a product standpoint makes sense and makes even more sense now. Which is, what is it that the search user wants? and create something for that search user. So yesterday, and a few days ago, it was top of funnel, which is the search user wants to know they have a headache. Do they need to go to the emergency room? Are they dying? Therefore, you create content that has that content that tells them, no, you're cool. Just take some aspirin and go to bed, right? And now Google can tell them that. So now we're going to create content about the best practices for avoiding headaches in the future, because Google is not going to tell them it's really going to go deeper in the funnel, which is Exercise more, drink water. Here's an experience you can have. And I think e-commerce is going to be interrupted, but e-commerce cannot be interrupted to the point of actually buying and shipping the good because Google doesn't do that, even if they start doing the checkout experiences. So it really comes down to the product you're creating because the top of funnel, the keyword content, can that is completely interrupted. You're still creating an experience for users. You're creating value. All these things that we're doing, they're they're making life easier. Right, you have uh, now you don't have to write email ai can write email for you great what are you doing with that extra time when maybe people need to go to more concerts there's still physical things we still need to eat no matter what there's still physical experiences and those people want to arrive on those physical experiences and discover those physical experience from search but how are they going to search for it it's going to be mid-funnel and you're creating a product again i call it product-led seo around that mid-funnel experience rather than the top of funnel experience, which too many people did. They're like, well, people search this keyword on SEMrush or Ahrefs or I'll create the content. Hopefully I'll rank number one for it. But now I think that opportunity really disappears. So the way you need to approach it is someone's looking for this. How will they arrive at my website? Are they gonna arrive because I'm paying for that advertising? Or maybe they're gonna arrive organically. What is it that they're expecting to find? Build that product for that person. And it comes down to each specific business being custom each specific experience being custom, really understanding your user and what you need to create for them.
1: For me, this this sounds like nothing new because I have been an old school SEO hater since plus five years. So we switched a lot of stuff we've been doing into the bottom and mid funnel. And this channel is a lot about the other kind of SEO is gonna die. I didn't think it would die like this. I, I thought it would die a different way. But personally, I'm, I'm super happy. And honestly, I see huge opportunities for people to help brands be discovered the right way. No company on the planet will be able to, to play this game, in my opinion. I know uh, we work with a lot of large businesses and as every large business they don't have time for this kind of fine-tuning thinking about what's strategic content blah 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 and i think all the the basic seo content is dead it's dead dead and i'm super happy about it and i think it will go way more into thought leadership unique information that SGE will pick up and so on and and that's, that's, I think that's the way that's going to be. See, I,
0: every roughly 10 years, there is a reset happening where we rediscover what works and what doesn't. You know, when, when I started in SEO, there was the mid-2000s roughly. And back then it was very simple. Keywords, title, backlinks, as many pages as possible. Then Google introduced Panda and Penguin, slowly introduced AI to search. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, AI has been searched for a long time. Yeah, that's not the same as what we're seeing today. But then, you know, like in the, in the 2010s, it was another game, like lots of content, interlinking, fewer pages. And now we're at another point where the, the rules slightly change. I strongly believe that we can define new rules but we often forget that generations before us have tried that stuff and then shared it. And then other people took that as that's what works. You know, early on Google said, yeah, pay attention to your title, but then somebody put a keyword in the title or two keywords and then realized, oh wow, I get more traffic. So my point here is, yes, things are changing and yes, the borders of what works, what doesn't are blurrier. But uh, we should not shy away from testing and figuring things out. I'm actually quite excited about this change. I think we kind of all are, but um, I'm equally intimidated and excited. I'm intimidated because my, the skill set that I've built over the last 13 years, uh, some of that just doesn't work anymore, which is not new, right? But now is an acceleration of that change. And at the same time, I'm excited to build new skill sets and learn new things that work, right? Like brand footprint across the web, reviews. The image generation, the thumbnail type of stuff—that's going to get a lot more interesting, and we can learn a lot from YouTubers about that. So it's new skills, new problems that we face, and I think as SEOs, we have to learn how to go go back to testing, and experimenting, and figuring out what works. That's a, that's the first thing. Two, we need to to use AI a lot more. I don't think we use AI enough, right? Whether it's you know text generation, prompting, connecting prompt chains. The one thing where I agree with Eli and, and you, Alex, is that the, the website has to be treated more as a product. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're still dealing with the same problems that we've been dealing with 20 years ago, where the CMS is not flexible enough to do something, you know, it's not headless. So we've missed the, the train, right? We should have built much less monolithic structures over 10 years ago to learn faster, ship faster, build cool products out of websites. So I think SEO is going to turn a lot in in that direction. As you said, like there will be website product managers and they will have much more ownership over conversion rate optimization, product features, and hopefully using AI to provide a better user experience. And we'll see how how Google reacts to that. But those are kind of my high level thoughts of adapting to this new world is like not shying away from testing and trying and figure out the new rules. Two being open to, to, to new stuff and not close-minded, and then three, use like finally get the website to be a product and not just a marketing surface that everybody has a saying into it where nothing really happens. There are a few sites that understand this. One is the Birch, for example, yeah. a, a media publisher.: Yeah, most companies don't understand it, and those companies will fall behind.
1: Yeah, it's really funny if you look at it, the most of this stuff because. The things Eli said were not like, oh my God, I've never heard that approach to SEO. But companies haven't changed. They have talked about this stuff. Marketing people have talked about this stuff. But no no one ever did it. They, they talked about yeah. it and what the new possibilities. But nobody really started treating their website like this. One of the craziest thing, things we talk about like here at Evergreen Media all the time is how few websites have like really cool interactive content. That's nothing new. Interactive content is, you could have done it like easy 15 years ago, but nobody did it and nobody do, is doing it right now. It's like, I'm super happy that this change from like a search engine to an answering engine is like accelerating, because otherwise I would be doing pretty much the same stuff
0: in 10 years. One big thing is personalization. You know, I have oh, voice search before, I'm bullish on voice now. Same personalization. There was a big trend 10 years ago. And we're all thinking that everybody sees a different website and that never happens. Yep. And it's because we were not able to gain enough context. Yep. But now AI makes it actually possible. And so now I'm bullish again on personalization, website in-product personalization as well. We're quick to underestimate the magnitude of the change when it comes to large language models and generative AI. A couple of days ago, the... CEO of NVIDIA, one of the best performing stocks, by the way. No stock. And I will finish i advice. I,
1: I'm, a, I'm a happy owner. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Makes two of us. He gave a keynote for NVIDIA's Computex conference. And he introduced the future of video games, which is that gamers will be able to talk to NPCs, to basically, you know, fake characters in the games. Like real, like real people, and be answer, they'll answer back very quickly. Awesome. And they will have their unique story strength. You might play a game five times and have five different experiences simply because the NPCs answer in a different way. So I think it's very underestimated how much, how much potential there is in personalization and how much better of an experience you can actually make a website now with LLMs. Sorry to interrupt you, Alex. Now, that's really cool because... Our first project
1: in that direction right now with one of our larger clients, it was freaking impossible to generate the amount of context and content to kind of deliver something like that. So that's really cool. And I'm also very, very bullish on personalization. I'm not that bullish on uh, voice search though. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you guys mentioned things in between. I I don't want to go into the tools. AI tools. Because I think. Most tools will will die. And there will be a few that will survive. People don't need to know every AI tool. What I want to end with actually. Is. What you guys. Are. Reading. Looking at. Watching. Listening to. To keep yourself updated. on, On the things that are happening. Obviously you guys are very close to the source and are talking to the people that are creating this stuff. But is there, are there like, like is there stuff you're le- reading, listening to, watching to keep up to date in this crazy AI world?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I, I think the interesting thing is that none of this is new. So if you want to understand what AI is, you just need to read old stuff. There, there was a book, I was a fiction book I was reading a couple months ago, and it referenced it, it The book was written, I think, in the early 90s or the early 2000s and referenced in the future, you're going to be able to like, tell a computer something and it's going to go find all the information because it knows all the information in the world. Like this concept of LLMs have always existed. So if you really want to understand how AI works and how it's going to continue working or how they're going to develop it, you just need to read old things. So there's a book called Thousand Brains, which I'm checking out. That have not started yet. It was recommended by a Google engineer. <laughs> it talks about like how AI will move in the world. So I I think a lot of these things, it's read the old material. You don't need to really focus on the new stuff because these are improvements on algorithms. While the whole world thinks it's brand new, like Kevin said earlier, AI has existed in search forever. It's just modification. This was a step change and now you can access the LLM. But how do you think like Google recognized a query that you typed in and when you misspelled it, all that, and how do they... Do the smart compose already in Gmail? And how did the voice search recognize what you were saying? And Amazon has the same AI and all those things together. So I like that the reading that book Thousand Brains. I'm subscribed to a newsletter called Neuron so that as all the updates in that are happening in AI following someone I have to send you Jeremiah wing I'll send you his tweet so we can put it in the show notes, his Twitter handle so we can cool. put it in the show notes. He's going to, you know, really talking to all the people that are forefront of ai the the cool thing is everyone says the bay area is dead and kevin ran away the bay area is coming back because all the ai companies are in san francisco (laughs) (laughs) rent your houses buy your houses while they're still cheap because the gold rush is happening back to san francisco so those are the things i'm reading then the other thing that's advantage for those of you who want to move back to the Bay Area, other advantages like i said my neighbors are all googlers so, uh, come back to the Bay Area. Walk down the street. Go to go to a local supermarket. Talk to people wearing Google sweatshirts, and ask them what they're working on. And you'll be surprised at how many of them will tell you what they're working on. So that's how you stay ahead of what's going on.
0: Awesome. I just I just ran away because I didn't want to pay four thousand dollars for a one bedroom apartment <laughs> that's falling <laughs> apart.
2: Kevin, in inflation, it's seven thousand dollars now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's why all these large language malls are so expensive to build because you have to factor in the rent for all the engineers. That's the only reason. Of course. Um, so let me, take a, like, let me take a different stance than Eli. There's two things. One is I, I don't have a unique place to discover new stuff, but I've forced myself to try new things out. So I, I made a commitment to myself to say, okay, whatever new technology it is, however funny it looks, I'll try it out for at least half an hour. And I learned that I have a lot of fun with all this stuff. It's a Incredible fun. Again, I think this is a the one tip I have is to gain practical knowledge and gain your own experience. And then I actually read a lot of books that helped me navigate three fields. One is just clarity of thinking. And there's one book that I love. It's called The Pyramid Principle by Barbara Minto. And she just basically, basically helps with clear writing. But the requirement for clear writing is clear thinking. And so she helps structure ideas. And I, I use uh, uh, Notion a lot to to organize my, my notes and thoughts and all that kind of stuff. And I spend a lot of time asking myself questions about AI and then seeing if I actually have an answer. Just see, where do I make assumptions? Where have I learned something myself? Where have I just read a headline? That's important. Then there are a couple of books that I found very helpful to stand out Two of them are Originals by Adam Grant and Alchemy by Rory Sutherland. There's help you, you know, question common assumptions, but also stand out in this world, which I think is very important in this in this world of AI. Like, how do you still become a brand? How are you still pretty noticeable and remarkable? And then the last two are much more for this idea of anti-fragility and, and kind of visioning. And the first one is 21 Lessons for the 21st Century by... Noah Yuval Harari, amazing book with challenging ideas. And then the last one is a classic, which is Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb to just remind myself of this concept of optionality and different paths and kind of challenging the status quo. So those are my five tips. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Last tip. I'm, I'm very, very convinced by the recommendations, Eli and Kevin. Thanks. We like, perfectly uh hit the spot here i think thanks for being here and thanks for sharing like this incredible insights with me and the audience i hope you guys enjoyed the show too not only me i learned a lot and hope hopefully we can uh, repeat this
0: absolutely yeah eli is muted so i'm just gonna Jump ahead of the line here, but no, Alex, great job, great questions. Really appreciate you, Eli. Thanks for being a fantastic thought partner as always and challenging me to get better. This was a treat, perfect. You're muted, Eli. Eli is still muted. What unmute, mic doesn't work for me.
2: (laughs) Thanks for having us, Alex. Great to be here. Disagree with Kevin on someone else's podcast. And uh, really great to share on this topic.
0: And now it's your turn. Head over to contrarianmarketingpodcast.com and subscribe to the free weekly newsletter to get a summary of today's episode, key takeaways and community content. And while you're there, go to today's episode and leave your opinion in the comments. We'll feature the best thoughts in the newsletter and on the podcast. Also, if you like today's episode, please feel free to leave five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks so much for tuning in and here next week.